This is Derek. This is Tony. This is Kevin. And we are Drunk on Comics. And you are listening to an Elegant Weapon podcast, bitches. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An Elegant Weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Cobra! gentlemen welcome to an elegant weapon episode 102 my name is jm clark i am the jedi ross and i am your host please excuse me momentarily while i flick my pick your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind Holy shit, kids, it feels really good to be back in my home and native land of Clarkson, Ontario, Canada, but holy shit, what an amazing weekend did I have down in Novi, Michigan for the Motor City Comic Convention at the Suburban Collectors Showplace. Wow, what a good time. I have been going to Comic-Cons now for about 15 years, and this was my first U.S. con and holy crap, was I impressed. What a hell of a show. It was Motor City Comic Con's 25th anniversary, and they did not disappoint. Met some amazing people, made some amazing new friends, and uh, have quite the record of it from the entire weekend going down. And we'll be bringing you some fun, fun stuff for the next couple of weeks, actually. I think we're going to have this uh, broken down into about a three-parter, this being part one of our Motor City Comic Con special. And for part one of our Motor City Comic Con special, we're going to be zeroing in on the wars. Uh, I met so many good people, so many fine artists, uh, so many fine comic book creators, cosplayers, and just all around uh, wonderful fan kids. Uh, I was invited down initially to go down and hang out with our good friends Drunk on Comics. And uh, wow, um, thanks for being true brothers in pod, guys, because you guys uh, set everything up. Everything was smooth, everything was taken care of, and we had a hell of a good time. Uh, they've made lots of really good friends down there, which I am now happy to say uh, we have made friends of as ourselves. So, uh, what happened basically, I left Canada last Thursday, uh, 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon after I got out of work. Uh, it took me about five hours flat, real nice drive through the windmill fields of Ontario to get down to uh, Michigan. Not too far over the border, just about 40 minutes or so. 
hopped over at the Ambassador Bridge and made my way to the Suburban Collector's Show Place. Uh, we stayed at the Hyatt, connected to the show place, which in itself was a really cool thing. Normally when I'm at cons in the GTA area here, I live about 20 minutes away from whatever's going down. And this was really cool to live it. I mean, we lived this con for the weekend. Uh, 24 hours <clears throat> this con was going on, basically. Uh, an amazing new experience as an elegant weapon was officially granted uh, press passes, which uh, I cannot thank Motor City Comic Con enough for their hospitality and their support. Such wonderful, welcoming, fine people and one hell of a 25th anniversary show. So, uh, as I said before, we're going to be concentrating part one on the Star Wars element of Mota City Comic Con. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of our Drunk On Comics boys popping in there because uh, not so much on this episode, but as the uh, next parts come along, we did a lot of cross-potting, uh, a lot of cross-interviews, uh, which will be cool that uh, we'll both get to post those interviews for you. And both of us interviewed some of the same people uh, slightly different ways. Uh, today's episode will be featuring three guests. It will be featuring Star Wars artist and illustrator Joe Caroni. It will also be featuring Star Wars illustrator and comic book artist Mark McKenna. And it will be also featuring a little host with the 501st Michigan Garrison. So uh, that's how we're going to structure this up. Next episode, we're going to have some amazing guests come on. We'll be having an interview with Ren and Stimpy's Bob Camp, the legend himself. What an amazing dude. We will also be having a fireside chat with Mr. William Zabka of the Karate Kid. A um, <clears throat> little bit of info on the Star Wars presence at the Motor City Comic Con. Excuse me, I needed a wee sip of my tea there. I think I need to reflect my back too. So just give me a moment. Uh, excellent cosplay. Uh, focusing on the Star Wars cosplay. Um, really cool stuff. Lots of Sith Lords at this show. I'm not sure what was going on. Maybe it was the presence of... The art of Nick Francis himself bringing in Team Sith. I don't know what happened, but a lot of really cool Sith Lords. By the way, uh, all of our pictures and photos from the uh, from the event have been posted on our Facebook page at An Elegant Weapon on Facebook. Go there. You can check out all the cool cosplay, including all the cool Sith Lords that I'm talking about right now. From custom Sith Lords to uh, some really interesting takes on Sith Lords that we all know from the EU and uh, from the mainline canon. So please, go to our Facebook page. Give us a like while you're there. While you're at it. While you're at it. While you're over there on a Facebook on an Elegant Web. And why don't you go ahead? Why don't you give us a like, kids? See? That would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, enjoy those costumes. Um, <clears throat> it was really neat to meet a 501st Legion that was outside of Canada. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I could ramble on for a while, because I had such an incredible weekend. To all you people that I met out there, you are fantastic folks. They're just, like, one big, happy family out there. Uh, you know, there's a few, uh, 
Toronto conventions that could take a few hints from uh, the Motor City Comic Con. That's all. That's all I want to say about that. That's all I need to say. So, without further ado, let's get into this shiznat, shall we? Uh, our first interview is Mr. Joe Caroni. You can find him at joecaroni.com. Uh, he's a Star Wars illustrator. He's done a lot of the contract work for like tops and such, and. Uh, a lot of crazy illustration, but you'll hear him talking about that in a moment. I just want to mention how impressed I was with uh, with the moments in his prints and his pictures. He picks these moments within the Star Wars universe that you really wouldn't think about. Uh, reflective, private moments of certain characters' lives that uh, he, he puts a little twist on. He just sees it in a way with a certain emotion that I don't think most people really inject into what they uh, would usually get in their Star Wars art. So there's something special here. I can see why he's been uh, illustrating for Star Wars for like 17 years. And dude's not that old. So this this dude started young. This is a true, genuine love of Star Wars. Somebody who has made it his life and his career, which is a beautiful thing to take something that you love that much and get that good at it. So uh, hang back, kids. Open your eardrums and meet Mr. Joe Caroni. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. Yeah, kids, we are here with the amazingly talented Star Wars, Star Wars artist, Joe Caroni. That's right. Um, how's it going? You having a good time? Yeah, I'm having a good time. Thanks for uh, talking to me. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you taking the time. So, uh... How would you describe yourself exactly? Just straight up like Star Wars illustrator, basically, because you do the books and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. I would say uh, I'm, a, I'm a Star Wars illustrator for Lucasfilm and uh, their various uh, licensees like uh, Tops and uh, Star Wars Insider Magazine, uh, Random House, uh, Becker Mayer Books. Uh, I, I've drawn for Dark Horse Comics, so... Uh, the majority of my professional illustration career is uh, for Star Wars, Star Wars art. It's amazing. So how did that come about? Like, uh, how, do you, how do you become a Star Wars artist? Like, do you approach <laughs> them? Did they approach you? Um, I approached uh, a Lucasfilm licensee back in the mid-90s. Uh, this was right before the special editions had come out. Um, I was uh, coming out of college and I wanted to be uh, a professional illustrator, and I wanted to draw Star Wars art at some point. And so I sent my portfolio to a publisher that had the license um, right after I graduated uh, art school, and uh, I got a call back. They hired me to do some freelance for uh, one of their, uh, the Star Wars role-playing game, uh, which is sort of like Dungeons & Dragons kind of right. thing, but with Star Wars. So I worked for that publisher for a few years as freelance doing illustration for them and uh, that led to other opportunities uh, for other Star Wars uh, licensees. So basically, uh, it's sort of like a stepping stone kind of thing, like I work for one company drawing Star Wars, then I show my portfolio to another publisher that I might want to work for who has the Star Wars license and then so on and so on. So I kept doing that because I really wanted to do Star Wars, I loved it and wanted to draw as much of it as I could. So I just kept working for different publishers. Uh, and over time, uh, after a few years, that led to Lucasfilm hiring me directly for some special projects. Um, 
and because everything you do for like Star Wars publishers, like Dark Horse or Hasbro or Tops or all of that stuff has to go through Lucasfilm to be approved, even though you're working for one of their clients. So, right. uh, you know, eventually they 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 like my art enough to hire me to do some some uh, some artwork, uh, promotional artwork for Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, and then. Uh, that led to doing artwork for Star Wars Insider Magazine, which led to doing artwork for Dark Horse. So it's it's sort of like, you just I just keep it going. Um, but also Star Wars has opened the door for me for other properties to, to illustrate for other companies like Star Trek and um, oh, cool, yeah. and uh, you know some other superhero comic book stuff that I, I like to draw too. So it, Star Wars was really sort of the gateway for me into doing this for a living professionally. Yeah, so you've been doing it for so long now. Um, has it gained you certain liberties? Because looking at some of your prints, are some of your prints just pure original for con-selling prints, or everything I see is from something? Yeah, all this artwork I have on display, um, all my Star Wars art, this is all published artwork. Okay. Um, I would say uh, almost all of it is, is official Star Wars art that I've done for a client or a licensee that... Um, you know, for Star Wars, basically. So, I mean, there's a few pieces that might be, like, more convention, like, uh, where I did, like, a, a poster or a print for a convention. Um, but, like, like these back here, these are my limited edition prints right. for Star Wars Celebration, which is the official Star Wars convention they have right. every few years, uh, usually in Florida, sometimes in California. Um so, basically, uh, like in that case, those are actual limited edition prints, uh, specifically for Lucasfilm for these events. So, I mean, everything is, is that I do is official. I don't really do fan art for Star Wars. Uh, are you given a certain liberty though? Like, like uh, for instance, uh, you got this amazing print of uh, Darth Vader in his meditation chamber, kind of with his head in his hands, with the background image of Padme and her funeral. Is that something you're like, you thought up so you wanted to draw it, or did somebody come to you with that idea and be like, I want this drawn? Well, and that piece you're talking about is called the uh, Great Remorse of Darth Vader. Nice. Um, that I was given a lot of freedom with that particular piece because, at the time back in 2005, my editor on Star Wars Insider magazine just asked me to uh, come up with a an expanded universe moment with Darth Vader, something they could showcase in the magazine. They asked me and some other artists to come up with some ideas. And they were, it was basically like doing some pinups for the Star Wars magazine. And they said, uh, you know, come up with something that, it could be anything with Darth Vader that just hasn't been seen in the movies. And of course it had to get approved by Lucasfilm, but I, I came up with the idea after having just seen Revenge of the Sith a few months earlier, I thought, well... You know, I was really moved by... We all knew how that Darth Vader was a villain, that Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader, but we didn't... Until Episode 3, we didn't know exactly how or why he did it, and it was because of Padme, indirectly, and um, his love for her and, 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 and his loss there. So that really kind of spoke to me, and um, I decided, well, let me do a piece that ties kind of like the classic trilogy together with the prequel trilogy... So I, went, I did a scene with Darth Vader in his meditation chamber reflecting on his grief and his guilt over his dead wife. So it just, it was one of those things where I was watching episode three and that 
that really moved me. And then I was watching Empire Strikes Back, and he's in the chamber, and it's like, well, what does he do in there? What does he think about? You know, he spends all that time in there without his helmet on, and so he can breathe normally and feel somewhat human again. So he's going to have these human emotions. He's going to contemplate and meditate. So I thought, you know, let's put him, you know, feeling really remorseful over Padme. So it just turned out, my idea was to link the two trilogies together with the, the imagery of the meditation chamber from the classic trilogy and then the imagery of Padme from the pre prequel trilogy. It's a powerful image, man. It's a Thank powerful you. piece. The second I saw it, I was just like, oh my God. It's just, it says so much in, in that one thing without, you know, there's no guy jumping off a cliff with a lightsaber. Right. It's not a big action shot. Well, or... Some of my favorite moments in the expanded universe for me, like my, well, the ones that I've, I've gotten to draw are more the, the, the really thoughtful um, moments you don't really, um, you never really considered or thought about before. And like I, those are the kind of scenes I love to illustrate are the scenes that happen off screen. I mean, it's fun to do like action scenes or it's fun to do like poster collages like these prints here. But for me, it's, uh, I get a lot of fun out of coming up with ideas of uh, scenes that, that don't happen in the movies, or maybe even scenes that don't even happen in the novels or the comics that, that are more original and and uh, make you think what happens in between the lines. So I have a few pieces like that That's uh, so much in my fun. That's what I loved about the Darth Plagueis novel. Right. Because um, it kind of takes place at the same time as Phantom Menace, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that fills in stuff in Phantom right. Menace that just gives it a bit more of a punch, you know? Right, yeah. So um, you must be excited about Episode Seven. Right, uh, yeah. New stuff to draw. You excited to see what comes and you'll get to illustrate in the future, hopefully? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely excited about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I never would have thought, you know, if you would have told me even a couple years ago that there was going to be a, a new Star Wars movie, I would have been like, yeah, get out of here. There's, you know, there's no... George Lucas said, uh, you know, only six movies, that's all there, are, there will ever be. Right. And he said that for so long. Um we all pretty much just agreed and assumed that would be true because he was getting up there in years and yeah. he was going to, you know, there's no way he can spend another 10 to 12 years of his life making three more movies. But, you know, then he then he sells Lucasfilm and that, that frees up. Was that a shock to you as much as it well, was Well, I think that? it was a shock to everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone was like, oh, wow. You know, it's like, you know, but it makes sense because he's retiring and if Star Wars is going to prosper and thrive into the future... Um, as big as Lucasfilm is, without George at the helm, you know, he can't be there forever. So without him there, Star Wars isn't going to thrive as much as it possibly could by itself at Lucasfilm. I mean, it's such a big property yeah. that it need, in order not to languish, it needed something like Disney to propel it forward into the future. And Disney, as big as Lucasfilm is, they're not as big as Disney. Disney is the... If you're gonna, they're the largest media studio company in the world. So, they have the resources to, to. They're the only studio that has the resources that can actually take Star Wars into the future. Lucasfilm by themselves, uh, you know, they were making the those Star Wars movies on George's own money, and without George there, without his, you know, without his input and his resources. The, Lucasfilm making more Star Wars movies would have been a lot trickier to pull off, and and they probably wouldn't have done it without George there. So this is sort of uh, this is a great thing that George said, "Hey Disney, here you go." 
you know, take this thing that's bigger than me, that's bigger than all of us, and take care of it, and you know, do right by it, and take it into the future for future generations. So, when you heard the cast announcement that came out the other week, there, did did your head start looking at the when you were looking at? I, I assume you saw the picture. Oh yeah, the read through. Yeah. Were you like, oh, what it'll be like to draw this guy? What it'll be like to draw this guy? I didn't really think that per much. I, I, I mean, I, it was more like, oh, I, I'm like, I'm wondering who they're playing. I'm wondering who he's playing. You just looked at it as a fan. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, didn't kind of enter your head. Yeah, that's no. Awesome. Yeah, I always like at the bottom line, end of the day, I'm always a fan. I mean, ever since, you know. Yeah, I mean, I saw the first movie when it came out in 1977 when I was like four years old. So, right. like, I've I've been a fan from day one, from the very, very beginning. And it's it's like even though I do this stuff for a living, I still approach it from a almost like a fan point of view. I mean, everything I yeah, yeah. I treat it with respect as a professional artist, but well, it's obvious in your art that you have a passion for it because you're not just slapping together collages and stuff you know you're taking the time to really think and put your heart and thoughts into these pictures you know but uh, yeah but I, I think you're right I mean I think because I, I look at I get excited to stuff <clears throat> about stuff first as a fan yeah before I even really start to think oh okay I'm gonna yeah. you know make money off of this idea oh you know there's somebody really cool it's like that I get to draw it's like no I'm like I'm anxious to hear what's coming out next, you know. That's awesome. All right, I'm gonna, not going to take up too much of your time. The con's starting to fill okay. up here. But it's uh, joecaroni.com. Yep, that's it. And simple as that. Kids, please check this out. Man, thank you so much for Thanks. taking the time to talk with us. Really appreciate it. Yep. Really, really cool dude. Uh, really enjoyed sitting and talking with him. Thank you very much, Joe, for taking the time. I, again, encourage you to go to joecaroni.com. Check out some of these Prince kids. I'll probably post some of the ones that I got from him later, particularly the Darth Vader Padme print. Just hit, it sat me in the gut, you know? It's like somebody balled up their fist and they just sucked me in the gut with it. And they were like, you know what? You're going to feel this in your gut. Where? Bam! Oh, that's when I felt it. Really cool shit. So thank you, Joe, uh, for hanging out with us and having that chat. <clears throat> Next up. On the docket, the 501st Legion, Michigan Garrison. Uh, Everybody who listens to this show is quite familiar with Roy Mitchell and the 501st Legion Canadian Garrison. We have talked to them on this show many times over the years, uh, various members and such from many, many cons from, uh, you know, from Toronto Comic Con to Fan Expo to Collector Toy Con to whatever other shows we have done and been to in the past. Uh, we got to speak with Crash of uh, 501st Michigan Garrison. Uh, these guys had some cool stuff. You know, whenever you go to a convention, for anybody who doesn't know, if the 501st Legion is there, they will have quite the Star Wars display. This one was different than I'd seen. This was cool in the fact that they kind of had a roped-off area just filled with, like, space junk and uh, beat-up droids. And uh, it was almost like a recreation of the underbowels of Jabba's palace when uh, 3PO and R2 get sent on down there. Um, You know, not so quite dark and dingy. We were in a con, but they did have all this equipment set up. You can find, you can see the pictures of it again on our Facebook page, Con Gallery. Go check that out. And uh, some really, really fine, detailed work by these guys. They put so much love and heart 
into it. Uh, also, of course, the R2 builders were there and the Mandalorian mercs were there. Really, really cool setups, kids. Check out the pictures. Uh, if you can ever support your local 501st Legion, please do it. They are just charity-giving monsters for people to put this much time and effort into something they love and then give it to charity and say, do what you will. It's an amazing thing. Also, one last thing about the 501st. You're going to need to check out their Tauntaun because, yes, they did, in fact, make a Tauntaun life-size tauntaun it's really really cool um there's a picture of that as well so go check that out but thank you very much crash thank you very much to the 501st legion michigan garrison begin landing your troops my lord is that legal i will make it legal my name is jay uh we're a podcast out of toronto okay it's called an elegant weapon Okay. Uh, our listeners will be very familiar with the Canadian garrison of, right. uh, of the 501. Right. We've had uh, Roy Mitchell, commanding officer, up there on the show. And, okay. uh, he's an awesome dude, awesome guest. So this is my first time meeting a 501 that's outside of Canada, basically. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so uh, how long has the 501 been in Michigan? Uh, actually, here in Michigan, we've been around since 2000. As a garrison, uh, about five years. Five years, so... Oh, so fairly recently. Yeah, yeah. Fairly, and, and same with the Rebel contingent, too. Great Lakes Base. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then Great Lakes Garrison. Both have been around for about five years independently. Uh, we were part of bigger bases, and then we grew so much that we just formed our own unit. Okay. And kind of like this convention, we've been just expanding ever since. Uh, we started off with, like, one little table, and now they give us, like, this entire corner for... R2 yeah. displays, photo backdrops, and just interacting yeah. with people as they kind of come by. So, yeah. it's it, yeah. we kind of we've been growing along with the convention. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great. It's fun to see them grow up together. Yes. I've been going to Fan Expo for about 15 that years. That show's great. Went yeah, up there a couple years. Up there. A couple years okay, ago. So you've experienced the fun. Oh yeah. Up there, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice setup they got going. Oh yeah. There. Um, so, but a few things different I notice here from what I'm used to seeing up there. You guys have a tauntaun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we call him Mumford the Tauntaun. <laughs> uh, a couple of our guys built it from scratch. Uh, there's a wireframe body and then just a lot of carpet and wool and weathering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it looks great. Pre- preconditioned funk. That yeah. it, it does smell worse on the inside. Yeah, um, and kind of your little display area here is cool, too. Now, did one person kind of make all this? or is this a Actually, effort? it's a kind of a culmination of a lot, several people. Uh, the new... Droid Factory is uh, kind of the project of about six or seven guys. Each one works on a droid of their own droid, maybe two or three. Uh, some of the smaller ones they kind of like, you know, add on. But each R2 sort of represents an individual person in the group, and then they build on top of that the Jawas, the static Jawas, the pit droids, the battle droids, the the wall, <coughs> all the accent pieces. It's so good. Yeah. Right down to the display monitors, and I can see like the schematics. And every once in a while, you got the changes on the screen there. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, one thing I, I do notice here, because you know we have the R2 builders of Ontario and right. the 501, which actually a lot of those people kind of cross over with our Doctor Who society, because a lot of the Dalek builders are the same guys who are into building the R2s, <laughs> eh? Bigger, oh yeah, bigger yeah. droids, bigger droids with a gun. Yeah. Uh, a lot of our guys actually do cross over in other groups. We have some that do uh, superheroes. Okay. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, cool. Uh, How about the Mercs over here? Yeah, the Mando Mercs. Yeah, well, that's, that's a new group that's sort of just come together in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our guys, you know, crossed over to that group as well as new, new guys who are strictly Mandos. They start eyeing some of the other costumes. And 
we're all fans. We're all friends. We yeah. all know each other, and everybody picks. Like I, I'm, I have a Rebel pilot costume, so basically what I did is I picked my favorite character, built the costume that I wanted to wear all my life, and now I got it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You can't talk to a 501 garrison without that being synonymous with the word charity. So which charities are you guys frequently involved with here? Uh, this weekend we're doing some work with Make-A-Wish. We got a little auction raffle going on. Uh, we're doing some stuff with the Kids Day and the costume contest for the kids. All really just helping out the local chapter of Make-A-Wish. That's awesome. And what's your name? Uh, my name's Jeff, but everybody calls me Crash. Crash. Awesome to meet you. Thank Thanks you. for taking a few minutes to talk to us. Anytime. And, uh, of course, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. All right, have a great day, guys. Eh? Thanks. Okay, kids, there's one more little conversation left. This was one of my favorite chats of the weekend. You will also hear this individual being interviewed on the Drunk on Comics show, but as whereas they discuss kind of his comics and what he's doing and what he's got going on now in the present day and such. Of course, we zeroed in on the Star Wars. So that's what we did. And uh, what a down-to-earth guy. I mean, you meet oh, most comic artists who are, you know, cool. There's lots of levels, as everyone knows. But this guy was just the, one of the coolest artists I've ever met at a con. The guy was so down-to-earth, it was kind of ridiculous. It was, uh, for what he's gotten to do... <clears throat> it's been really good times. Now, Mark McKenna is a Star Wars artist. Uh, you'll you'll hear us talking about that on the show. He's also good friends with Mr. Dave Ross, who uh, we've had on the show before uh, from Fan Expo Interviews. But I, I can't say enough good things about Mr. McKenna. Uh, just an awesome, rad dude. Would just randomly come over to visit uh, the Drunk on Comics booth where we were hanging out, just shooting the shit. Uh, yeah, you know? Just awesomeness. So here, you listen to the awesomeness and make up your mind about the awesomeness yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark McKenna. I got a bad feeling about this. Kids, I am here with Mr. Mark McKenna, artist for hire at times and such. You guys, uh, you just spoke with our good friends over at Drunk on Comics there. You had a chat with Derek, uh, talking about kind of what you got going on right now and new work coming up uh, but us being an elegant weapon we're going to zero in a little on your Star Wars experience if that's okay that sounds good to me uh, so how did your first Star Wars experience come about um, I I had an assistant um, a background uh, fella his name is Mark Irwin who uh, used to try to help get work and um, he, uh, he had started working for uh, Dark Horse on I want to say a Predator series and then somebody asked him if he wanted to jump in and help on a Star Wars project. He was overcommitted and said, you should go to Mark McKenna. You know, he's my mentor and, you know, he's really good. So uh, they weren't really, they knew who I was, but they really weren't familiar with, you know, my work with that stuff. But the, the editor at the time, Dave Marshall, uh, called me up and offered me um, eight pages in, the, in a Purge one shot from a few years, years ago. And um, Was that the first Purge? The, the I think it was the second. Shot? I think it was the second one. Okay. Okay. But what it did is it opened that door for me, and then after that they offered me um, the web, the web uh, uh, comic uh, called Blood of the Empire, which right. was the second. It was a twelve-part, seven-page per part, uh, bi-weekly series, comic series, and then they collected as an eighty-four-page uh, trade paperback. And then a little time after that, they offered me the uh, Lost Sons, the Old Republic Lost Sons yep, yep. miniseries, and that was then collected into a 110-page paperback. 
cool. Were you much of a Star Wars fan before you got involved? You know, or? I don't know the Old Republic. I, you know, well, I keep hearing, you know, I read about it, I read about it, and I hear it's a thousand years before Darth Vader. And I immediately, like, feel like blank stare, you know? <laughs> I get, like, I don't know yeah. what that means, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I know the stories were self-contained, and, and I know the kids love them. And to be honest with you, because Dark Horse has um, lost the, uh, the license to, you know, Disney Marvel, um, they have to get rid of the books that are in their warehouse by the end of the year, and now I'm, I'm going to buy a ton of them because the reality is, I'll always, you know, Star Wars books, Star Wars books will always sell. Yeah. So I'll never ever lose money on those, and I bought 165 trade paperbacks. From <laughs> so I have I have some work to do, you know. Got a very full garage at the moment. <laughs> I got my other book, Combat Jacks. I have 2,000 M sitting in my uh, oh, my wow. basement right now. That's fine. Yeah. You also worked uh, a little on Night Errant, yeah? Night Errant, I did a variant cover with uh, Dave Ross. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really nice, too. I've, uh, Dave Ross, being local to Toronto area, yeah, right. up there, uh, he's always at the cons. We've had a few chats. Super nice guy. Love Dave. Love yeah. working with Dave. Uh, just We have a really nice rapport, and uh, we re respect and, 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 and like each other, too, which is nice. It must be nice when it works out oh, that yeah, way. Yeah. So when you got into the universe, was, uh, yeah, um, did they... Uh, did they kind of say, okay, figure this out yourself? Or did you have to do kind of Star Wars research? Or was there uh, like a handbook? I was, because I inked the series, um, I was basically following. I, I have a uh, total confidence in what Dave can do. And um, other than some redraws of things that, you know, were uh, inconsistencies in some kind of patterns on some faces and stuff like that. Uh, I basically followed a pencil pencilers lead in a lot of cases. Okay. So it was a lot of extra work involved there. Alright, that's cool. Yeah, he did a really nice Darth Vader bust, just a headshot, but a full page, but it was all pencil. Yeah. And he did it real nice, like oh, charcoal yeah. pencil yeah. and stuff. In fact, before they hired me to do the stuff with Dave, he had a pencil, I want to say he penciled a, uh, a Darth Vader book that was all in pencil. Pencil and color. I'm not sure. Sounds familiar. They've done a few funky things like yeah, that over the years. They just cut yeah. the anchor out. And maybe it works. Or maybe it doesn't. I'm not quite sure. It's difficult being a dark horse Star Wars collector, like I've always been, because they're very inconsistent with uh, the scheduling of books. Yeah. They'll put a couple like issues of a series out, and then for some reason it will skip like a whole bunch of months, and you don't get another issue until so, later on. Yeah, you, you need to keep that ball rolling and keep it consistent because people they forget really easy too which yeah. is unfortunate well they also have so many of these little micro series like one of four it's really hard to kind of keep them did straight you, but did you like the product did you like the, the I you, loved when, it. When, it, when you got it, it was all good. around it was, yes it was always good stuff yeah I mean you had Ostrander writing a lot of those series and those books sure. and they're just they're that's why it was very hard to accept that they're, you know, the EU is going to be like its own thing now. Right. And a disconnect. Because I've spent literally 20 years buying Star Wars novels, Star Wars comics, and this has been the story to me. Right. And all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. You know, I've got like five long boxes full of Dark Horse Star Wars wow, comic wow, books, wow, wow. right? Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden they're not canon? What do you mean? Right, you know? Right. So it's yeah, kind of rough. It's kind of trippy, but I look at it like The Walking Dead. Like how the comic is its own universe and the TV show is its own universe, sure. right? They both go in different directions yeah. generally. But you get those hardcore fans that don't want things to change. Yeah. They, want it to, they want what they what they read and then if you give it to them different, they, get, they think you screwed it up. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've been into comics your whole life? Or? Um, 
as a, as a kid, I was a reader. I, mean, I was introduced to my first comic when I was probably seven years old. It was a Daredevil number seven on a, on a, on a curb in Brooklyn, New York, you know. And, um, awesome. Yeah, and then I started, my uncle uh, next door to me used to read um, a lot of DC and a lot of Uncle Scrooge McDuck. And I would grab his DC books. I would, they were Legion books and, and Spectre. And um, I got into it then. And then um, I guess I read until I was just about college age. But the reality was I needed to get a job. And um, the, the uh, guidance counselor in my high school said, you need to, what are you going to do the rest of your life? And I said, the only things I really know are filmmaking, because I was a super great filmmaker okay. in college and before, and I know comic books. So he sent me to a school, a school of visual arts in New York City, where I studied animation for a year and a half, because I figured it's film and comics. Makes but the reality was there was 770 drawings for one minute of animation. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my mind. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. That's a, yeah, that's a hard process. you yeah. got to have patience as an animator, you know, for yeah. sure. So what was your involvement with the... Uh, no, it's all right. If anybody wants to say hi, it's hey. a freeform podcast. How's it going? <laughs> uh, the Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. Uh, and you did the, a cover variant or just a poster? What For was the it? Celebration, I did yeah. the uh, Duel of the Twi'leks. I, um, okay, yes, here we go. What I did was, um, I did a... Uh, great. I, I was on my Facebook page. I said, i got to do a pinup or a piece for the Star Wars Celebration. And I posted it to my Facebook friends. And I had over 100 ideas of what I should do. And the one that was uh, most compelling to me was doing Darth Talon, which had never been done in a, in a uh, other than visual, a couple of visuals of her. Yeah. She had never been done in a series of any sort of, maybe novelization, maybe. I think the novels. Yeah. Uh, it might, actually, it might have been the video game. Okay. I think it was a video game where she originated. I'm sorry, kids, if I state that wrong, but uh, yeah, you're right. It wasn't like, you know, I actually have a, I have a picture done by her, of her by uh, Mark Rikoff. Okay. And uh, but it's like one of the painted, like his nice, really painted words. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar. I got that hanging in my house, and it's just stunning. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I brought Ayala Sakura in there because now I'm thinking red versus blue, good versus totally bad. Totally makes sense. Both Twi'leks, even though they're not even the same. And then of course you get the fans who say they don't even exist in the same universe. And I'm like, I don't know about any of that. Yeah. <laughs> it looks cool on paper. You know? It's like when they ask Han Solo who shot first. He's like, I don't know, and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you know. he's, he's alive and what's his name is yeah, yeah. Uh, how many times have you done Motor City Con uh, this is my second I was I've been hearing about the show for years and uh, last year uh, Marion Kruger who's really great the She's arm fantastic. of this show yeah, yeah. she uh, reached out and asked me if I'd come and I love her to death and I said yes let's let's do this and I had a great time and she invited me back so was, if I can continue doing okay at this show and um you know, and they pay my way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep on coming, you know. For sure. So you're a Brooklyn boy. I originally was a Brooklyn boy. I was born in Flushing, Queens, moved to Brooklyn, moved out to Long Island when I was eight years old. And I stayed out in Long Island until um, I was about 22. And then I, uh, then I um, got the job at Marvel when I was 26, actually. And I moved into Staten Island with my sister. I used to take the Staten Island Ferry to downtown New York and then take a local train New York, and I did that for a couple of years. Met my wife, moved to New Jersey, and now I'm in Orange County, New York. Oh wow! Yeah, a little bit neat. of a little bit of a trick. Have you ever gotten up north to Toronto for anything? Work yeah, pleasure? we did. I did the um, I did the uh, Pete Dixon show, which I want to say Wizard took over a few years ago. Yeah, so it was a it was a it was a chill show. It wasn't a lot of a lot of people there, but it was nice. 
and I like Pete, so that was fine. And then I did the Tiziano show. What was that one called? Fan Expo or something? Fan Expo's the big one. Yeah, yeah. I did that once, and it was a big show. Yeah. But, the, but the, the trick for that, for me, is it's uh, sci-fi, anime, and comics. And there's so many people in there, but you really don't know who the comic book fans are because it's two-thirds other people that yeah, are there for you. something else. You well, know? it was really smart this year, the, well, last year, uh, the most recent one. They finally uh, opened it up to both buildings within the convention center. Yeah. So they, like that, they doubled the floor space. Right. So, uh, and that, that way they were able to keep more of the comic people and artists in one section. And, uh, yeah, you know, like it was that. a little more, you know, understandable. Like, you know, you're saying, when you got 130 people just filing through sort of thing, you right. don't know who's who or who's doing what. Right, right, you know? right, right. Very, very lucky up in the area that we're in uh, with the artists. Ken Lashley, Dave Ross, yeah. like, uh, uh, David Finch, there's just yeah, it's you do have, you have a bunch of good guys up yeah. there, absolutely. It's a really good area for it, and we got a con like every weekend. It's getting out of control. Yeah. It kind of really is. Well, like, I was in uh, Calgary three weeks ago for the Calgary Comic Con. That's on the other side, though, over by the Canadian Rockies, and yeah. that was such a gorgeous uh, uh, view. And it's an oil town. There was a lot of you know a lot of oil flowing over there. Oh and, yeah, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> it was a great show, uh, and. The Canadians are the, some of the warmest people I've ever met. They all thank me for coming. I got a fair share of hugs. <laughs> it was just a wonderful show, you know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good time. It's a nice place to be. Uh, we're very very lucky with the community that we have yeah. out there. You know, everybody's super supportive. I, I totally want to be a Canadian <laughs> in my next life. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I'm finding about Michigan here is because uh, this is my first U.S. con, and. Uh, you know, but I've been you know over the states a few places, but Michigan is the most comfortable I've felt, like the most Canadian in yeah, a way. You know, yeah. they, they, we know we, we connect with them, so yeah, super yeah. nice people. Everyone's just been wonderful. Like you said, Miriam, the con. Yep. This is actually my first official press con. Oh yeah. Because for some reason, uh, Fan Expo and stuff, they will not give podcasts press. I don't get that. Because yeah. the celebrities don't want to talk to oh. them. Because they don't know who they are, they don't know what their shows, they're not vetted sort of thing. Sure. So they're just like, rather than take the risk of, I could be talking to like a Nazi loving show or something, right. yeah, 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 they yeah. just don't bother. Right, right, So, right. but that, that doesn't stop at a little weapon. We, we, get, we take our little H1 in there and we just go Gorilla Pod style. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, then, and they're always willing to talk, you know. I mean, Dave Ross has been on a few times, Ryan Stegman, Finch, all these guys, you know. Like this, when you have a moment, they're all willing to say hi sure. and, you know, they appreciate the support and stuff. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Oh, it's warm. I love it, yeah. It's good times. Well, uh, I won't take up too much of your time, uh, but thank you so much. For the Darth Maul, yeah, and for chatting with us uh, for a few minutes, Are you gonna come up to Fan Expo this year? I uh, come on, twenty uh, yeah, fifth anniversary maybe. there. Oh, is it that oh big sorry, twentieth. Oh yeah, twentieth this. I'll one. reach out so. to Tiz. It's I I couldn't go for a few years because it always seemed to fall on the week that my kids started high school or school, and I hated that we couldn't go away because it was school started. Right. But both I'm an, I'm an empty nester now, so I not necessarily need to be part of that, but. Um, I, I didn't even commit to any shows this year. I'm still doing 12 shows. Oh, wow. So, um, somehow they're finding me, you know. Um, Busy schedule, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I maxed out of 14 shows last year, and I thought I should be done. But um, <laughs> they keep inviting me, and I keep doing okay. I'll, I'll keep going. Um, I do want to go back to Toronto. Yeah. I enjoyed the heck out of it. A good, I'll, I'll hang out with Dave and, um, and the Mrs. Uh, Judy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I 
go out for beers and dinner, and it's, it's just it's nice. So I, I will I will be going. Well, we'd love time. to have you up there. You're always welcome uptown. Um, is there uh, where can people find your stuff online yeah. and such? Um, well, I have a Facebook page. Um, I, I you have to look for me. I'm I'm the Mark McKenna. That's not the Australian beer taster. Um, I have a uh, a Mark McKenna art. Dot com site. I have a combatjacks.com site, which is for my sci-fi book. Right. I have a bananatail.com website for my children's uh, book, for my kids, for yeah. the kids stuff. <laughs> um, and I Twitter uh, a little bit. Not a, not a big tweeter or Twitter her, yeah. but it's uh, Mark McKenna419. Awesome. Thank you so much, my Mark. Pleasure, greatly man. appreciate it. Thank it was you. a pleasure. Boom, jiggity boom. What a cool dude, eh? What a really, really nice dude. Everyone we talked to at the show over the weekend was an incredibly nice person. Um, Mark McKenna, in particular, as you hear, very down-to-earth, very rad. I will post later on the picture of Darth Maul, the commission that I got him to do for me. But uh, super rad times. So uh, there you go. There is our Star Wars Trinity wrap-up for you. For part one of our Motor City Comic Con, there's so much more to talk about. We are just dipping in our toe. We are just hitting the tip of the iceberg, kids, because there's lots and lots more to come. So that was the Star Wars portion of our uh, three-parter. Part two will be coming to you next week, where we'll be featuring interviews with Mr. William Zabka of the Karate Kid. We will be featuring an interview with Mr. Bob Camp of Ren and Stimpy, and also we will have be uh, having a very, very special edition of, uh, I guess it's not an edition, because it's, uh, well, sort of, we've done it before, we've had After Darks on this show before, we've had Comic-Con After Darks, uh, you will be getting to experience your very first Drunk on Comics slash An Elegant Weapon After Dark, we had a few drinkies the, free, uh, the first night, it was super cool. Because uh, when we got there on the Thursday, we actually we were down in the hotel bar where people were hanging out. And uh, it was really cool because uh, we were hanging out with artists Cena Grace and uh, Dan Friedman and uh, writer Dan Friedman. <clears throat> and across the room is uh, Scott Wilson's just sitting there having a drink with Jane McNeil. Uh, if you don't remember Jane McNeil, she was Patricia from uh, season two of The Walking Dead. Uh, one of Herschel's household mates. And, uh, you know, that was really cool just to see him sitting there. And then we went out onto the patio, which was beautiful. Gorgeous big patio furniture, roaring fireplace. Really, really nice setting. And uh, there was Scott Wilson just uh, knocking back Johnny Re- uh, Johnny Reds and puffing on a, a nice thogie. And casually the conversation came around where we spent the evening uh, sipping sips of drinks and uh, talking talks of talks with Herschel. Himself, uh, Scott Wilson, what a lovely dude. I know you probably, you kids have probably heard it a million times, but it, it, it really is true. He's, he's, he's not laid back or down to earth in a Herschel-y sort of way. He's, he makes Herschel look quite uptight, actually, uh, just from the mellowness and uh, ease of conversation with this gentleman. So uh, we didn't get a chance to record with Scott Wilson. It was a very first night off the cuff uh, surprise moment. So, uh, but we did get a an interview with Miss Jane McNeil, who was absolutely fantastic. Uh, we hung out with her all weekend. That was really, really cool. So you'll get to hear her uh, later on. I believe we'll probably put that up in part three. 
But uh, yeah, what an amazing experience. What a cool dude. Scott Wilson, if you happen to hear this in any way, thank you so much for your hospitality and for just hanging out. And uh, now I get to say I bought Herschel a drink or two. And that is pretty, pretty cool. But uh, I'd like to thank the three guests that we uh, packed into this episode for part one. Joe Caroni, again, go to joecaroni.com. Mark McKenna, he's got a bunch of crap going on you heard there. You can go follow him at. And also, of course, the 501st Legion, Michigan Garrison. Kids, that is all we have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Please stay tuned next week for part two of our Motor City Comic Con extravaganza. Until then, we'll see you later. Everybody be good to each other. One love.